This is a public service announcement from your boy Paul, aka Mr. What the Footy, your favourite podcast host. Please remember to download, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's go. What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Knew some other guys liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school, now to put in Powerful people, and I think they need to recognise that, but then also they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, based on you know, one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. Too. Let's just win this to appease the fans. Welcome to the What The Footy podcast, the podcast that takes football fans behind the scenes. Today I'm excited because for me personally, it's probably the biggest one that I've done so far. I'm joined with Simeon Jackson. Simeon has spent his career playing at all levels across the English game. He's played in the Scottish Premier League, he's played in the Bundesliga, in and around the likes of Aubameyang and Mats Hummels. Uh, he's currently, he was currently playing with Steven Nidge and it's a great pleasure to have him on here to sort of deep dive into, into his career. Simeon, it's great to have you here, man. Cheers, thanks for having me, man. Thank you. Yeah, so we've obviously introduced a new sort of element into the podcast before we sort of deep dive, which is what the footy are you lying for? So it'll be great to sort of know your um, know your two truths, one lie. What are lying for? So you just want me to hit you with three three statements and then you have to guess, yeah? Yeah, I have to guess. No, no pressure on me. I'm currently losing 6-3 to the guests. So, um, so yeah. All right. Okay. All right, cool. So first one is uh, I scored on my international debut true or false okay that's that's one okay um scored yeah and uh what are the other ones and the second one is um i have played for 12 clubs okay 12 clubs and what's the other one? The last one? And the last one is... I scored a back-to-back hat-trick. I've scored a back-to-back hat-trick in my career. Oh, those are some tough ones. Some of them I should really know, to be fair. 12 clubs. Um, I'm going to say... I believe you have scored a back-to-back hatchet, and I think that was for Rush- Rushton and Diamonds. I'm gonna say that's yeah. that's true. That's true. I'm gonna say, uh, uh, did you score your in- international debut? I feel like you've played for there was Warsaw, Warsaw, Blackburn, Saint Mirren, Norwich, Gillingham, Rushton and Diamonds, Dulwich Hamlet. I don't think it's quite up to twelve. I'm gonna say. The light is you've played for 12 clubs, but you're scoring international debut. Simeon, I really wanted to just get you on here because this sort of, for me, um, your sort of journey from Mississauga to the Premier League. And we see a lot of players, whether that's Troy Deeney or Jamie Vardy, get a lot of credit for obviously making that sort of step in that journey. But you've done exactly that same sort of step, scoring goals in the Premier League, scoring goals at all sort of levels. Just sort of take me back to... Um, that, that that 15 year old boy who had that rejection at Gillingham, what was your sort of mindset in terms of bouncing back from that and your sort of state of mind at that time? 
Yeah, yeah. So if, if I jump back into that, you know, I, I was 15. Um, I just moved over to yeah. England. Everything was new. Um, but I just had this enthusiasm and this mindset of I didn't care what I had to do. I didn't care where I had to go. I didn't care how long I had to train, what I had to eat. I, you you name it, you told me to do it, I would have mm. done it. And that was my mindset probably from around 12 years old, 11, 12, because that's when I decided this is what I wanted to do. So by the time I got to the age of 15 and the whole opportunity came up to move to England, I was just gassed, so excited, mm. just raring and willing. Um, so when that first disappointment came in, it took the wind out of my sails and it was kind of like the first real knockback because I guess I was kind of, um, you know, you're a young kid, you just expect everything's going to go your way. Um, so it was my first test to see how I dealt with being resilient and, and bouncing back. And I think very quickly, um, I started to learn that one, you have to adjust in this game Two, nothing really goes how you think it's going to go. Um, and three, just if this is what you really want, you're just going to have to keep going and just ignore every setback that happens. And I think that's what I kind of learned um, about myself at that time. And yeah, it was tough, man. It was tough. Um, and, you know, I, I think I was just lucky enough to have a lot of good guidance behind me as well um in those times to to help yeah because obviously then uh, i think it was uh in and around that time you then signed for dulwich hamlet and you're obviously apparently working at mcdonald's hopefully not eating too many burgers at, mm -hmm. at that point but um no. but um who was sort of still giving you that word of encouragement were you getting that from yourself or your family or people in and around you making you still believe because that that must have been a real shock for you obviously like thinking, obviously, you come over to England, you're you're going to sign for for Gillingham, and suddenly, like you're working in McDonald's and playing, playing for Dulwich Hamlet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, in terms of the, the guidance around me, in terms of my family, um, they were always, you know, a massive support from from young, um, you know, and just the whole, you know, you think about it now, like. 15 year old kid you know getting support of my family to to move even though i moved in with with extended family over here it's still a big you know adjust and there has to be a, a trust and belief and acceptance there and um you know i was just welcomed in um with my family over here and everyone just knew what i wanted to achieve and they were just willing to help me and you know i had you know cousins aunt and uncles you know taking me to training and you know, help and giving me money to travel and stuff and just so so much of a collective effort from everyone. That was just just vital, man. Um but yeah, a lot of a lot of self talk and, you know, just believing in myself because I knew I knew I was good enough and I knew I had um you know what it what it took. But, you know, you have to go out and prove it and do it. And um even when, you know, those those times came up when those challenges came up, um you just have to keep believing in yourself and keep yeah, going. Yeah, and, and, and proving it is exactly what you did because in 2004, you then signed for Rushton and Diamond, banging in the goals. I believe you were the mm. eighth highest uh, goal scorer of all time as well. Um, so just sort of mm. talk me through that in terms of obviously going there and then finally getting that move to Gillingham. Was that sort of a, sort of a shock to you? And what was the sort of process um, in terms of Gillingham coming back in for you? 
so yeah the the when i signed for russian was just a, a massive massive point for me because um not only did i come into a country and a, a new system and different way of playing and i had to adjust and adapt and all that um but now i was competing with thousands of kids um trying to get a contract and i remember at the time just after i signed i think uh, the youth director was saying they had over you know over a thousand kids come on trial that year to get a scholarship and only six got scholarships so just for me at that stage to you know proving to myself yeah and I, I, i knew what i'd set out to do in the beginning and now i've, I've jumped over that first hurdle it was just massive and i remember the moment when um you know i was told i was getting it i, I was just just in tears man i was just so emotional um but then i knew that was only the the, the yeah. start as well and you know i had to keep on now and learn and improve and and go and compete again um and the process was just just hard work man just non-stop hard work um and just keep on believing and cuz i think as you probably know in, in anything you're trying to achieve when you you start off and you just don't know what's going to happen and it's just so much uncertainty but you just have to keep this resilient focused mindset and and it just took a lot of that a lot of focus and and hard work and then when the uh the Gillingham move came in um that process was i was getting into the first team I was playing I was scoring and I had some momentum mm-hmm. going and you know I I was I was enjoying my, my football and um some stuff came up in in my own life where I I was 20 and you know you're starting to become an yeah. adult you start getting hit with challenges and it's like whoa like I want to be in the league I want to be playing at that high level cuz that's what I set out to do and um just had to get back to being focused and not getting sidetracked by all the hype that was coming around it mm. and you know um people talking about getting moves and stuff just yeah laid low put the work in and then you know I actually got the move on the final day of um oh, transfer wow. window which yeah. was stressing itself but yeah it, it paid off no that's good man cuz I could literally imagine like if it was me personally and a club and now come back in for me I'm almost going them and almost going there that like, a little bit of the arrogance of I'm going to go there and prove you guys why you should have signed me 3 4 years ago it was like your sort of mindset going into that sort of situation mm it was it was no nah, I wasn't that much of that you know I think in the background a little a little bit I wanted to say you yeah. know prove you wrong kind of thing like you know you had me for free in your youth team and now you have to come and pay 150 grand for me so like and I remember running a joke with the chairman <laughs> when I did sign I was like you know you had me for free and I had to pay money that's just how football works kind of thing but um I needed that man I needed to be let go from Gillingham I mean go on the journey I went mm. on prove myself again and and coming back to Jules was was more of like a okay I've got a second chance at it now you know I've got an opportunity again um to go out and make my name for this club and I had a a, a bit of a affiliation with the club in Mart because um you know it was one of the first games I went to when I came over really young to England and we had scouts from uh Gillingham come over to Canada and and mm. do training camps and stuff so I had this you know I knew about the club and it was just this thing of I'm coming back and um yeah I was just so excited man and just wanted to do really really well for them 
and, and that's exactly what you did because you were the man for the big occasions over there. Obviously, scoring the goal in the, in the playoff finals just just sort of talked me through that sort of experience and almost everything that you obviously dreamt of from age of fifteen, coming over and loving the club, just almost coming to that moment of of, of you being the guy who, who's the, delivering that success. Yeah, man, it, it was it was just um just amazing, just amazing because as I said, because I had that you know that thing that kind of love for the club from from when I was younger um to be able to be a part of playing you know scoring and you know having success was something that was just really really exciting and coming into it it was um it was just a, an amazing opportunity I remember I was you know going through uh I had some good form in the season but then I kind of fell off a bit and then towards the end it was like you know this is when you have to man up is when you have to do the business Mm. Um, I just remember the boys just backing me to the hills and all and just you know giving me that confidence you know leading up to it and um, yeah I remember going into it it's just I was always told to play the game not the occasion so you, you kind of yeah. go into it as if it's another game but in the back of your mind you're like you know this ain't just another game kind of thing mm. um, and yeah you just you just get into your routine and you know you I think luckily for us, we, we got to go and visit Wembley before the day before and we got to see and, and get a feel for it. So when we got there on the day, it was just it's work time, man. Like, you know, we know what we have to go out there and do. And um, yeah, luckily for me, it was just an amazing day because one, I got I got the winner and we got promoted. And, mm. you know, just just to have that in the locker now as an experience is, is just amazing. Now, before, before I go on to obviously Norwich, of course, I wanted to obviously just get on something that you mentioned there in regards to um, not scoring and then coming into into the final and obviously scoring in that. As a striker, it's almost difficult from a mental perspective because obviously the team sort of relies on you for goals and, and when you're not sort of scoring, what's your sort of mindset like in terms of overcoming that? Yeah, I think for any striker, you know, when, when you're not scoring, you're going through those rough patches. It's like... You have to get back to basics, man. Um, I think I learned that very young in, in my youth team days was like, you know, when you do have those spells when it's not going well and, you know, stuff's just not coming off, not happening. Um, I remember, I think it was one of, one of the first team coaches was like, get yourself a pair of Copas, some old school black boots. Yeah, yeah. And just get back to basics and just yeah. try and get a tap in. Just try and get on the end of something. And then you build yourself back up and... That's Off always the shoulder, thing, isn't it? So, and Off then, the shoulder like, ones, isn't it? Yeah, man. <laughs> this is it. And you just take... And those are the best goals, man. The ones that come off your face and you just don't even know. It's the best. Um, just like Sterling's one the other day. Like, yeah, I keep, I keep up because that is a wicked goal, bro. It's a wicked goal. Um, absolute joke. So, yeah, it's at those times where, you know, you just want one of those to happen and then, you know, and then, uh, and then you bounce on from there. But... It's part and parcel, man. You know, you're gonna have times when you're scoring and when you're not scoring, and as you say, it's just finding those 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 tools for yourself that can help you get through it. Yeah, of course, man. So obviously, you then signed for Norwich, um, mm -hmm. and obviously playing in the Championship, scoring goals there, and then you do it again and score the big goal that that clinches promotion. Just before going on to that goal, what was it sort of like working under under Paul Lambert? Because it was almost like a big influence within your career. Obviously, later mm -hmm. on, brought you to Blackburn as well. Obviously, a great guy, great player, won the Champions League, absolutely boss Zidane in that game. What was it sort of like, just, just sort of playing un, under someone like that? Ah, it was brilliant, man. It was brilliant. You know, he's, he's the best manager that I've played under, um, just based 
based on you know what we achieved and and just how I felt playing under him. I think um, he he oozes confidence even though he doesn't. It's not in his demeanor, but mm. he kind of expects this confidence out of you, and um, and he uses it as well. And I I just picked up on that, and for me that was one of the best things of working with him because even if you when you weren't doing well, he'd let you know, but you had to kind of back yourself and and push on and, and keep doing what you know you can do. And he just he always said that he just said, you know, I, I'm bringing you here and I've, I've brought players here because they're the best players that you know that I that I want to work with. So and you just as soon as you hear that and you get gets fed into you all the time, you just naturally you know kind of go into into the zone and and start playing well. So. Um, yeah, it was he was a massive influence on me, and you know, um, someone I definitely look up to, and and yeah, it was it was just a really good time, and and one that I've learned so much from. No, definitely, and obviously you scored that uh, promotion clinching goal. What mm. was that sort of feeling like in terms of obviously? It's it's just crazy to think going back to that fifteen year old boy who was rejected, that that seventeen year old, sixteen mm. year old is working in McDonald's, playing at Dulwich Hamlet. Suddenly now scoring the goal and you're going to go and play in the Premier League. Who was sort of keeping you grounded for that sort of journey? Because you typically hear the stories of, of players starting out in the lower leagues, working their way up. And it's always the question of, can they make that step up? And you almost see it in terms of teams come up and then they'll go and replace um, players who brought them up to that next level. What almost prepared you for, for getting to those next levels? So I think... Um... For me, it was just knowing that when I was a kid, that's the, that was the thing. So mm. that was always the, you know. That was the, where you belonged, the, yeah. Yeah, it's like, this is where I wanted to be and this is what I've been dreaming about and this is what I've always kind of wanted. So to know that you're starting to get close to it now, it's just, um, it just takes care of itself, man. You just, there's just clarity. Like you don't, you're not distracted by anything. You're not, you just, zone in on the details and what you need to do and um mm. and i think that kind of throughout my you know my previous experiences and learnings from you know being at russian being at Jillian and being in some form of big games you kind of have that um to feed off you know and um and i think that helped me massively and especially knowing what was at the end of it on the other side it was like mm. ain't taking this much from me like i'm making sure this happens sort of thing so um, yeah, the, the feeling of, of just being in a great team and, and the momentum because we were kind of underdogs at the time, really. We were always in and amongst it, but everyone was speaking about the other big clubs and we just carried on about our business, man. And, and mm. yeah, so when, when it came down to it, we just knew if we went out there and performed like we knew we could, um, it would happen. And, and it did, man. And then you, you now went on to the Premier League, scoring goals, scored obviously your first Premier League goal against Wolves at Molyneux. What was yeah. it sort of like, obviously, going from, I think, I think the best thing about you almost is that you played across all, all five leagues within England, from the Premiership to the Championship League, one league to in the Conference. What was it like mm. knowing that you've obviously gone from that level that, that you dreamt of obviously getting away from to, to playing against guys like Rio Ferdinand and playing against guys mm -hmm. like Laurent Koscielny? Oh man, it's just you're just speechless, man. Because mm. when you're young, you 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 dream about it, but then you're just like you don't know if it's gonna happen. 
Mm. So you're just like, ah, like, you know, I'm just going to go out there and keep trying and keep going. But you don't, it's, it's almost like if you don't actually believe it's real or it's, or it's actually going to happen. And then you finally get there and it's like, whoa. Um, at first you go through these moments of, oh, snap, that's real or that's, you know, this or that's been ruined. You kind of have this little kid um, mm. experience. You just can't believe you're actually there. Yeah, and then you have to just zone in and be like, nah, 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 like this. I have to go to work. Yeah, for like, the game. Is, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I need to do what I need to do. Um, and yeah, and you kind of have those those experiences every now and again. But when you're so into it, man, it's like you don't really have time to reflect on it like that. And you're just yeah. the next one, the next one, the next training session, next game. You know, what do I need to do to get in the team? What do I need to do to recover well? What do I need to do to make sure I'm, you know, getting in chances and you know being in the manager's face? So. There's just so many different things that happen once you're at those different levels yeah. that it kind of takes away from the you know reflection. Even though you you know you, you appreciate every moment, you still still got loads of work to do, man. And and just from a sort of style of uh, play perspective, obviously like the team you you formerly played for Norwich have sadly been obviously relegated this season, and it's almost a case of they've almost still brought up that style of play from the Championship to the Premiership. Um, mm -hmm. For you, in terms of, I think, uh, your debut season in the Premiership, you guys finished uh, 12th in the league. What was the mm -hmm. sort of approach for you guys coming into, obviously, the, the Premier League, playing teams are obviously going to have more possession uh, against you guys? Mm -hmm. Was it almost a case of, let's just win relegation battle games, win the six-pointers, and then almost go from there, really? Or, or was there sort of like a different, different approach to that? No, it was exactly that, man. It was... We knew we were the new boys. We knew that um, teams kind of wouldn't know much about us and mm. we knew exactly how we played and exactly what we needed to do. So yeah. for us, it was, we didn't really care who we were playing against really, um, mm. which was a weird kind of approach because like, um, I remember, I think we, we went to Man United in that first season and we, would, we wanted to play the same way. Like we were gonna mm. high press you know, try and get, um, stay high up the pitch. And where a lot of teams go there and camp in, yeah. you know, we kind of just said, no, we're not really changing anything. Mm. And that first season worked out, worked out extremely well for us. And, you know, we, we got the points that we needed to stay up. I think your second season is always the hardest one because mm. teams now know what you're about. Um, and, you know, it then becomes how you can then improve and kick on and whether you got the players um, to do that, you know, to, to maintain that level. But um, for us, yeah, no, we, we just went out there kind of fearless, really, um, in that first season. And, and I think that's the best way. But then again, it, compared to like, you know, some teams, like you need that experience some, sometimes with know-hows and knowing how to manage games and deal with mm. games, especially in the Premier League, you need that. So, um, you know, teams that have that usually tend to do really well. But um yeah, man. No, for us, we, we just stuck to what we what we knew we were good at, and it, it paid dividends, man. No, definitely. And I wanted to obviously touch on obviously the whole Black Lives Matter situation that's going on, especially yourself mm -hmm. having obviously played across various leagues. You played in Germany as well, played in Scotland as well. What's what's been your sort of experience as a player playing playing in front of crowds and and, and various players from all over the world in terms of 
in terms of obviously this issue that's currently going on because obviously I, I personally believe that football needs to definitely do more. I believe that we need more than writing Black Lives Matter on the back of shirts, on the sleeves. Yeah. We need we need real actionable uh, things to be delivered. What's What's been your sort of experience as, as a player? Uh, it's been funny, man. Like my experience, I was actually having this conversation the other day. Like mm. I kind of got brought up um, with that mindset of there's no excuses. So mm. you have to just deal with whatever comes your way yeah. and especially when you're in an industry um you know and in a profession where you know you're competing against people all the time and you know i was always told you know because of whether you want to believe it or not sim but because of your color you have to make sure you're better than anyone else mm. and you know whether that's right or wrong or whether that's you know that was just the mindset that was instilled in me from a young age so yeah. when i'm coming into certain environments and and you know certain industries it's like i have that mindset of i'm not looking for you know anything to alter what i need to do when you kind of you know the other side to that is when you start to look at it and you know you've got campaigns like you know black lives matter and you start to hear about other people's stories and hear about everything that ha that's happened um me personally have i have i experienced um you know racism in football yeah i've i've, I've heard stuff um mm. I've, I've i've heard people uh teammates you know kind of kind of go through it and you know if you look at throughout the history how you know the ones before us dealt with it you know you you got on with it and you carried on playing you did what you had to do so the fact that it's kind of come to where it is now is just it's brilliant i think it's great as you're saying you know they're obviously um, a lot more needs to be done and and I think you know we're we're doing that in 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 our own way you know yeah. you might we might have expected it to have happened a lot quicker but you know I, I think just the bringing awareness to it and you know people higher up looking at things that can be done and, and how we're going to deal with it it's great um, and there's loads of different levels to speak on it um, but from, yeah. from my personal level I, I, I think it's good and as I say I, I'm I'm kind of an in-between because as I say, I, yeah. I hear it, see it, experience, I've, I've, I've had a taste of it, but yet still I'm like, I'm not letting any of that kind of affect Affecting, anything. Yeah, I'm yeah, just, of course. Laser focused. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, that's just what was instilled in me, man. No, no, of course, man. I think definitely, more definitely needs to be done. Like we can see how um, Nicholas Bentner showed a sponsor on his underwear and he, he got fined more than some countries get fined for a racist chanting. So I think the governing bodies, sponsors, players, everyone needs to come into a room together and we need actionable, actionable solutions to, to really dealing with this issue. But just sort of moving on to obviously playing across various leagues, you of course, surprisingly obviously played in the Bundesliga as well. Just just sort of talk to me about that transition, obviously moving over. We're seeing more, we're seeing more players in the Premier League move over there, more young players like Sancho, mm -hmm. for instance. What was your sort of experience like playing in the Bundesliga? Uh, my experience was tough. Mm. <laughs> Germany was was the toughest uh, experience in my career because it was just completely different from anything I've ever experienced. Um, yeah. And uh, you know the the work ethic and the the way they go about stuff and the detail and the efficiency. Um, it's just a whole different game um 
and I, I'm just, I'm really, you know, glad that I got to experience it and got to have a taste of it. Um, but it was a big, big challenge and one that I, um, you know, I, I kind of, I really struggled with um, because, you know, from starting point, like the way how we play here in England and the mindset and the environment is way different to how it is in Germany, man. Germany is like, you, there is no inch for a mistake. Like there's no, and if you do make a mistake, you're getting drilled. Um, but that's just the way, you know, their infrastructure is from young age. So where I was finding things really challenging and, you know, was kind of stuck in my ways of playing in England. Mm. Um, these guys were like, this is normal. Like, this is not, yeah. this is nothing new. So I think, you know, if you look at, especially the younger players that are going over to Germany now, I think, you know, your Sancho's and that, when you've gone in there from young, and you can deal and adapt to that, you know, mm. watch out for these guys because if they bring that mindset back to England and in the Premier League, like these guys will be a joke. Um, mm. And there's so there's so many benefits from it. And I think, you know, from, from any young kid, um, you know, if, if players can go on loan and get to play out there and experience how tough it really is out there, yeah, that, that's only going to do them the, the world a good man. And for me, yeah, it, it did mm. me the world a good going back because I just knew there was a whole different world of football out here and it made me kind of enjoy my football more when I came back. Yes, because obviously you, you mentioned quite a lot there. So so in terms of like your game, which aspects of your game did it did it did it really improve going to the Bundesliga? Oh, tactically I had to, it was just a whole different thing because mm. in the Bundesliga it's like almost every team plays a different way or has a different spin on a formation. Yeah. So there's so many different ways of playing out there. Um so, you know, that definitely, you know, tactically I came back, I was like, whoa, there's so many things like, there's things I've seen out there that would just come over to England, like maybe two seasons afterwards. Yeah, yeah. You know, like little things. And then, you know, you look at, you know, Peps and, and your clubs, like they, obviously they manage in Germany and they're just advanced, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, tactically was, was a massive one. Um, the physical aspect as well was 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 a bit different, um, and just the attention to detail, man. The attention mm. to detail, guys are so detailed and everything. Set pieces. I remember one of the team meetings I had. Um, you know, they they brought me in, and obviously everything was in German, and I, I didn't speak the language, so they translated everything for me in English. Mm. And I think I had a book about this thick, bro, on set pieces and how the other team played and all of their, you know everything about this team um and that was an eye-opener for me because you know when i was <laughs> before i'd come over there yeah we had a team meeting that was maybe 10 minutes yeah. on how just clear it yeah like, yeah this yeah yeah it was like look like this is how they play this is how we're playing these are set pieces done over there it was like everything boom 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 so um yeah i think uh t tactically was, was was a big a, a big um big learning curve and experience no that's definitely good and, and did you try to learn the language out there or or not did I picked up a few words and, and tried, yeah, to, yeah. tried to you know hustle my way through Google, um, Google Translator yeah yeah Google Translate and apps and all that stuff and yeah, yeah. still not one or two words now so that's good no that's good so just sort of in, in terms of like your career now in terms of like looking back where do you believe that you, you played your best football and, and sort of enjoyed your best football um, you know, up until now, I, 
I just think I, I think uh, you know, hopefully I've still got my best best to come. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I look at that that, that period from um, rushing to drills to Norwich. You know, around that time, you know, scoring 15, 20 goals a season. You know, that those times are, are definitely stand out because as a striker, that's what that's what it's about. So, um, you know, I'd have to say those are definitely um, uh, the best moments and. Yeah, man. I'm hoping uh, I can still produce produce seasons like that before I um before I finish. Yeah, no, definitely, man. And sort of in terms of like looking back on your career, um, do, do you have any things that you wish you would have done differently, or if, if you could look at your 15 or 20 20 year old self and sort of have a conversation? We're starting to really see a lot of stories in the in the media of players wishing that they they save their money or they manage their money better in terms of early on in mm-hmm. their career. Do, do you ever look back on on things like that and almost think, oh, I wish I did that or? Oh, totally, man. There's, there's loads yeah. of those, loads of those. Yeah, one yeah, of my yeah, big, yeah. Ones, you know, even on the financial one, I think one of the biggest ones for me is listening to my dad a bit more around those mm. times, you know. I was getting advice from my dad. I was like, ah, listen to my dad. Let me do what I need to do. I want to go do this. I want to go do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, just listening to, to maybe advice to certain times and you could, there's there's always probably about 10, 10 different scenarios where you look back and like ah maybe you know what would have been like if I chose this yeah. club or if I did this or you know that happened. But for me, um, I just I just I'm so grateful for for how it's been so far and I've learned so much from all those experiences. So you know to try and think oh if something else happened, you know would I've learned what I needed to learn? That's maybe the first time today and you know able mm. to come out with. Is this understanding of of the process and the tools you need um, to to develop and make it? So now nah, I'm I'm just really grateful, man. Yeah, and and in terms of life after football, what does life after football look like? I know mm-hmm. obviously you come from a place in Canada where where football obviously isn't isn't a main sport over there, and the journey that you've made mm-hmm. to come over has obviously been quite remarkable. Obviously, not every player mm-hmm. can be a coach or or be a pundit in a Sky Sports studio, so. What does life after football look like for you? To be honest, I don't know, man. I don't know what it looks like. Um, I'm, 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 I'm hoping uh, it looks good, and you know, yeah. I, I can, I can go out and, yeah, you know, get, be involved with, with helping, you know, maybe develop players and you know, with, with an academy or, or a school and, and just kind of get, get my hands dirty in that way and yeah, you know, doing, doing what everyone else does and just trying to um start something new um you know that will be um as fulfilling and as rewarding as 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 playing which you know i'm sure there's there's a lot of things out there and it's just kind of finding my way with that but yeah i'm I'm doing my coaching stuff and you know i'm looking into to other aspects of, of the game and and yeah just trying to you know find my way when that time comes but i'm still really heavily focused on you know in the now and, and you know where my next club is and making sure i'm ready for that and, and dealing with you know those challenges in, in playing no that's good man I'm, I'm looking to maybe start a podcast football team uh soon so if if the time comes right maybe i can uh, instill you as the manager and i'll be the chairman so um so yeah <laughs> all right all right no and i just wanted to obviously touch on obviously because you played for obviously the canadian national football team um, there's a lot of bright, bright talent coming through with Alf- Alfonso David, Jonathan David. Um, yeah. What do you almost like 
look at in these players and, and are, are you quite optimistic for the future in terms of obviously Canada obviously getting to a World Cup competing and, and really yeah. pushing on yeah definitely man I think you have to be um, I think there's there's been so much work and, and effort put in and as you say you know you look at the, the players that are coming in now and you know doing doing exceptionally well you know you look at Alfonso like this guy's coming in and, and just ripping up the Bundesliga and you know you just want want that to continue for him and obviously for him to bring that into the to the national team so yeah man you have to be when you have these kind of players coming through and you know the, the ones coming after him as well being able to to come up with you know um coming into environments where now there's, there's full-time training environments there's professional clubs in the country there's a there's a league in the country now so um all these things are just adding up now and yeah, some people might say it's it's still a bit behind schedule compared to to other you know other nations etc. But we're just doing what we have to do, man. And um, yeah, it's definitely exciting. And you know, I'm 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 still trying to uh, force my way in that door and 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 trying to make some noise around me to to get me back in that in that setup. And that's all um, that's all you can do, man. So. Um, yeah, we, you know, you, you just want want to see the country do really well, and any way I can play a part in that will, will be amazing, man. No, definitely, man. Because obviously, I think seeing people like Alfonso and Jonathan David coming over to Europe, I think it's definitely going to make some noise more about obviously Canadian football and more opportunities, and, and definitely more clubs will probably send scouts over there to look look to pick up more talent, which is which is good. Definitely, yeah. There's a lot of that now. You know, I think there's. Um, even before kind of um, Bondo came on the scene and, and, and Jonathan as well, you know, there's, there's a lot of interest from from bigger clubs and trying to set up infrastructures out there and, you know, how keeping an eye on it. And, you know, the talent's always there. It's just kind of harnessing that and, and getting them in the right environments. And I think we're starting to do that now. So, so it should be interesting. Hopefully it pays off, man. Usually, I always end the podcast on what the footy uh, needs to change within your space. But because I've got you as a sort of special guest on here, I'm going to ask you for your um, the Simeon Jackson five-a-side uh, team, best five-a-side team of players you've played with or against, and you've played we played with and against some amazing players. So who would you sort of put into that? Into that team. So you want a five-a-side team of players that I've played with and so anyone that I've played with or against. With or against, yeah, the best players, yeah. You guys, I'm not just gonna pull up, bust out a team. Um, so, <laughs> uh, if I was to pick a five-side team, now at least some I friends would, here, man. Yeah, I'm gonna pick all my boys, man. So I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put yeah. Azmir Begovic in goal. Okay. Put him in goal. Begovic. I put. Uh, I need David Edgar in there just because we grew up playing together and he had a he had a good career and, and is still playing now. Um. Uh, I'm gonna just throw in, throw in a little. Uh... Oh, man, I was like, you have to just pick your team well, man. Who am I gonna go defenders? I'm gonna put Rio Ferdinand in there. Rio Ferdinand. I'm gonna put. Um... Played against Max that? and David Alaba, by the way. Yeah, see, yeah, you can throw, but this is my five-a-side, man. I got a different way of playing. I need to. I need to <laughs> Uh, you know, linked to my philosophy, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. You know, you want good players on the ball and stuff. Uh, <laughs> right, look up the top. I'm gonna put Wayne Rooney in there. Wayne Rooney, okay. Um, I put uh, Tiba Hutchinson in there. 
Okay. Yeah, legends. Great, great, great player. Um, so many is that now? Got one, two, three, four. You put me in there, man. I want to play. Yeah, get in there, man. Get in there up top to score <laughs> the goals that, <laughs> next, to Weza, next to Weza. Next to Weza, yeah. Yeah, put me was in midfield. <laughs> two, three, four. And one more. Um, who was top, man? Who stands up? Who's I've lost count of how many you've picked. Yeah, I think that's four. Yeah. No, that's five. That's my five. Yeah, that's your five. Yeah, yeah. That's your yeah. five. I want to pick eleven. I need subs as well, but now. Nah, yeah, you need one. subs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just 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 the random one on there as well. I know you played with obviously Wes Hula and uh, Norwich. Yes. What was it yes. like, sort of playing with playing with a player like him? Very technically gifted, good on the ball. The sort of service Sorry, must have been given a given a player Wes like you. Wes needs yeah. to be in the team. I'll stop out. Wes can play. Yeah, because Wes. Yeah, if you, if you speak to anyone who's played with him, um, just the stuff he does, man, in training and just um, him as a player, his, his ability is just a joke. And even now, you know, I think he's 30, what, seven maybe? And I know he's still doing what he does. Um, so, yeah, he, he just just left foot. Just I've seen him sit people down in training, like just take... He's close. I, it'd be the closest thing to, to Messi in... in, in and me able to be in around and play and, and witness yeah. because what he could do with the ball man was just a joke and I think you know people people got a taste to that um, whenever he played but yeah he's just really really good player Great would, you, would you say that he's the best player that you probably played with or like technically or yeah he's definitely up there yeah definitely mm. definitely no amazing man but it's now come to the time to reveal your answers to uh, what the foot are you lying for why lying for <laughs> Yeah. So I said that um, you scored your international debut. Um, you scored a back-to-back hat trick, and you—the lie is you played for twelve clubs. Am I correct yes. or not? Yeah. I'm correct. <laughs> it's a clean well sweep. Yes. Well done, man. Well done. Well done. So, so I've tied. I've tied it now. Six-six. Um, so next week when I have Charlotte from the FA coming on. Um, I have to basically beat her, man. But um, but Simeon, absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. Um, deep yeah. diving into your career, the journey from Mississauga um, all the way to the Premier League, playing across various leagues across Europe, like the Bundesliga, scoring goals at all levels, and almost being able to, to almost speak honestly about about your journey to be able to reflect and look back. And um, I think it's been really, really valuable to the listeners. And um, Pleasure, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. This is a public service announcement from your boy, Paul, a.k.a. Mr. What The Footy, your favourite podcast host. Please remember to download, subscribe, rate and review and tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's go. What The Footy. What The Footy. What The Footy. What The Footy. Knew some other guys liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school, now it's a putting off. Powerful people, and I think they need to recognise that, but then also they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, based on you know, one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. Let's just win this to appease the fans. At Oshkosh Bagash, we're dreaming big for back to school. 
Some of today's biggest superstars were once kids daring to imagine who they would be one day. To the next generation of icons, dream boldly and find your own style. Learn more at oshkosh.com slash today is someday. Minute Maid slushies are back at McDonald's. And if you'd like to thank me for that information, I'll gladly take a slushie. It's more than a drink. It's a McDonald's drink. Right now, treat yourself to a small Minute Maid slushie, like the new strawberry watermelon flavor for $1.59. Or try small McCafe frappes and smoothies for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Limited time only. Minute Maid is a trademark of the Coca-Cola Company.